Heavenly Father, Lord, we are uh, indeed grateful and thankful for today. Uh, we recognize your kindness um, in our lives, uh, the way that you provided for us, Father, that we are here um, worshiping together, uh, surrounded by walls and a roof and heat. Father, that we are able to come and go without fear. Father, we, we recognize that that is kindness in our lives, and we thank you for that. Father, I pray that you just would continue to be with us this morning, that you would continue to bless our time, that we would do things that would bring you honor this morning, that we would say things that would glorify your name. Father, I pray that you just be with me as I open up your word, that the words that would come out of my mouth, Father, would um, not illustrate any gifts that I have or uh, remarkable talent, Father, but it is all because of your kindness and grace and mercy in my life. Father, last week was such a good reminder of that. Um, <laughs> in an instant, it could be gone. And, and we thank you for uh, today, we thank you for our time, and we pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen. Since I'm, since I'm sharing things and being open and transparent this morning, I, I want to talk to you briefly about growing up on the mean streets of paradise. Yeah. It was tough. I, I mean, it was tough because I lived along Lincoln Highway and I wasn't allowed to cross the street, but it was tough. But luckily I found a friend, a friend who lived a couple houses down I mean, I still had to cut through some yards and cross the street and kind of go under a bridge, but, but he was on my side of the highway. His name was Scotty Rice. Ha. Scotty Rice and I played together. Most of the summers growing up, Scotty Rice was much smaller than I was. Uh, we were the same age. We were in the same classrooms. But, but we ran together, played together, rode bikes together. Anything that involved throwing something at something, we did. We were united summer after summer until we moved when I was in the sixth grade. I never saw or talked to Scotty again. When I was in high school, I became friends with Scotty Herr. We worked together, we hung out together, we played some sports together. We eventually um, kind of worked together for a long period, but we eventually found other jobs and, and began growing older and, and lost contact with each other. We're friends on social media, so we've been able to kind of reconnect over the last few years, but I'm not sure you could say we still have a friendship. We're more just now of acquaintances. And I know what you're thinking. Who's the new Scott in my life? Well, I recently became friends with Scott Eldridge on Facebook, so, so no pressure there, but who knows? But I want you to think for a moment. I want you to reflect on friends. And friendship. Think about how your, your friendships over your lifetime have changed, how they've, how they've developed, and, and sometimes, and more often than not, have, have dissipated. Perhaps you can think of someone in particular that you were really close to and now no longer keep in contact with. Who's your Scotty Rice? Maybe you can, you can think of the name of somebody who you're, who you're friends with, but not really friends with? Perhaps there's a name that comes to mind of somebody who you would like to be friends with as you grow old and mature together. Perhaps just the thought of friends is just discouraging to you. How we define friendship 
how we define this word and, and how we think about it has, has drastically changed over the last few years. How we view friendships has, has changed over, over the last 10 years. And if we really think about it, even 20 years ago, being someone's friend looked much differently than it does today. In the past, being a friend meant, meant having a, a personal connection to somebody, uh, uh, knowing a lot about them, knowing their heart, their dislikes, their likes, their fears, and, and, and even their hopes. It involved regular communication, personal interaction, getting together to just hang. I think the kids still say that. Even working through the difficulties of life side by side together. And I think it's fair to say that, that this has indeed changed. The way we communicated has changed. We now use technology much more in the way that we communicate, and it's not bad. But the way we view friendship has certainly changed. In the world of social media, being a friend or follower has allowed us a, a lot of online friends, a lot of connections online, but it also allows us to be friends without personal connection and, and truthfully, without a lot of real knowledge. I mean, you can like without commitment, you can follow without getting close, and you can be friends without talking. A study that ran over, over a decade long provides data on this truth. The study showed that Americans have one-third fewer close friends today than they did decades ago. But what's, what's more concerning about these numbers is that it indicates that, that the number of us that have nobody to count as a close personal friend has, has more than doubled. So those that, that can't even say they have a close personal friend, that number is, is just growing. Experts tell us that emotionally healthy people form meaningful ties with other human beings. They don't just exchange information. They share personal things. They talk about deep things, forming deep connections. This isn't a female thing. This isn't a male thing. This is consistent over people of all races, ages, education levels, even inside the walls of our homes. The degree of intimacy has diminished considerably. For those of you with teenagers, think about how you communicate with them now compared to the way your mom or father communicated to you when you were a kid growing up. I don't yell up the stairs now. I send a text yeah, saves my voice. Whether we recognize it or not, we're all looking for a friend. It seems silly to say, especially as an adult, to, to, to really come to grips with the fact that you just want a friend. So brothers and sisters, let me tell you about my friend named Jesus. In the passage that, we, that Kelly read earlier, we see that Jesus calls us friends. John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. For some of you this morning, that is, that is sweet music. That is a warm blanket, hot cocoa wrapped up next to the fire. Jesus is my friend. And then for some of you, 
makes me a little uncomfortable. Maybe even nails on the chalkboard uncomfortable. How dare you call Jesus friend? He's mediator, prince of peace, he's counselor, he's redeemer, he's savior, he's Lord, and he's king. But, but Jesus invited us to be friends. I started out planning the sermon with the intent to talk about how Jesus is not our friend, (laughs) that he is Lord and King and we should see him that way. And I now stand here this morning talking to you about Jesus being our friend. So if it has persuaded me to change the way I see it, I hope this morning you're either encouraged by your friendship with Christ or you come to a better understanding that he is your friend. Now I do think we need to be careful. Jesus is not my buddy. He's not my pal. This is not a relationship of equals. But he is our friend. And and I want to look at three things this morning. Jesus is our friend. He's our sacrificial friend, our accessible friend, and he is a perfect friend. He says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, let's go back into John chapter 15. And I want to spend our time this morning, we're really looking at verses 12 through 17. So let's reread those together this morning. John chapter 15, starting at verse 12. Jesus says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one more than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have known what the master is doing, and I have heard from the Father, and I have made it known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whenever you ask as the Father in my name, he may give to you these things I command you, so that you will love one another. Jesus is a sacrificial friend. Keep in mind the context of this passage. Keep in mind of of what's going on in the background of, of these words that we read this morning. Jesus is in the upper room. He's just washed the disciples' feet, spoken about Judas' betrayal and Peter's denial. He speaks about the way, the truth, and the life, and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And now he's speaking to them about love and calling them friends. If you look up a little bit, a few verses up in John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. As God has loved me, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. And he washed their feet. A task that nobody would want to do. A display of sacrificial love. The sacrificial friendship is on display here as he washes their feet. As he takes off his robe, as he kneels down, as he takes the basin and takes their dirty feet and he cleans them. He demonstrates this sacrificial love to them. This is just ridiculous. 
A couple of weeks ago, I woke up to a missed phone call and a, and a text on my phone. And when I looked at the text and I listened to the voicemail, I, I, I wasn't sure what was going on, but it seemed that, that a friend of mine had an emergency and the friend was calling for help. Their card broken down and, and they needed someone to, to get them. I mean, my mind starts playing scenarios. Are they still out on the road? Did they get a response from somebody? This is, this is making me feel guilty. I missed their phone call. Why was my phone on the charger? Are they in a ditch somewhere? So eventually I'm, I'm able to reach them, and I find out that it was some car trouble, but, but thankfully somebody else was willing to, to come and pick them up and to, to save them. Who are you willing to pick up in the middle of the night when they have car trouble? Who, who's going to make that sacrifice for you? Who's on your list? My phone's on the charger, so I won't hear you, but who's on your list? Better yet, who's willing to help you move? That sacrificial friendship that Jesus has for us is not just, it's not just limited to, to serving with foot washing. It, it doesn't just stop with, with Jesus bent down holding a dirty foot in his hand. Remember what happens after these words that we read. The next day Jesus would give his life. Jesus would willingly go on the cross and face the wrath of God on your behalf on my behalf, for the entire world. He would die on the cross. He'd be crucified. He'd be, he'd be misunderstood. He'd be mocked. He'd be shamed. He would suffer extraordinary pain so that we could be restored. He would defeat death. He'd conquer sin. He would provide a way for us to find mercy and grace and forgiveness. Jesus laid down His life in order that you may receive everlasting life this is sacrificial love this is a friend who would sacrifice everything for you ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 be imitators of god therefore as dearly loved children and walk in love as christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god Jesus is our example of friendship and love. When we read the words, I have called you friends, it should come with a much different understanding, a much different weight than when we are speaking about the 10,000, 2,000 friends we have on social media. Friendship should require sacrifice. Sacrificial friendship is different than the friendship the world sees. Sacrificial friendship is different than the world is, is telling you you need to have. There's no sacrifice given in reading a blog or, or a Twitter feed. But real friendship, but real friendship is, is, is something real, something tangible. Jesus is a friend who gave us everything. He's a sacrificial friend. But Jesus is also an accessible friend. 
if you look back at those verses, it says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I've made known to you. In our filthy, sinful, yet even redeemed states, we are blessed beyond our comprehension to be called servants of Christ. Maybe your translation even says slaves. What an honor. What an honor it is to be called a slave of Christ, a servant of Christ. As followers of Jesus, we are chosen, bought with His precious blood, owned, protected, provided for, given lifelong status in the family of God. We are seen as children of God because of Jesus Christ. It is honorable to be seen as a servant of Him. But, it, but it's not enough. He calls us, he calls us friends. This is not a a limited offer. This is not a closed relationship. Slaves are called to obey without understanding. But because of Jesus, those of us in Christ have access to all the knowledge and understanding that we need to obey God's commandments and to be comforted by His love. Now, we all know that I am a fabulous parent. My, my wisdom is on display daily in my home. My children gather at my feet, just waiting for me to impart wisdom on them every day. I'm assuming that your experiences are the same. Or, or, or when I'm coaching, basketball season started up on Friday, and I know I'm able to speak direction without hesitation, and it's completed. Sprints, drills, it doesn't matter. All I hear is, yes, coach. This, of course, is not how things work. There are times when I am imparting wisdom to my children and they do not receive it. Or they have a different way or a different idea of how something should be done. I instruct on how to perform a particular skill in the basketball court and somebody will ask me why. Or or tell me a different way that they think it should be done. And in both these cases, I often say the same thing. I am not looking for your input. I don't need to explain my reasoning to you. All I want you to do is the thing I'm asking you to do and when I want you to do it. And we're good. The relationship I am looking for is one of master-servant. I know the reasons. And I just want you to respond with action. Oh, this is not the relationship that we have with Christ. He would be well within his rights, well within his rights to hold us to a master-servant relationship. But again, he calls us friends. Yes, he wants us to respond correctly. But he's not asking us to respond blindly. He's not asking for a yes coach. He doesn't want you just to bring the food to the table. He wants you to sit with him and eat. How often, how often through the pages of the Gospels do we see Jesus having a meal with somebody, entering into someone's home, 
where they are more than happy to serve on Him and wait on Him and wash His feet with precious perfume and to provide whatever He needs. And He just sits and He wants to talk with them and He wants to share with them and He wants to impart knowledge on Him. This is the relationship that you have with somebody who is a friend. Not a servant. Jesus shared the deepest thoughts of His heart with His disciples. They didn't always understand His teaching. But because Jesus makes things known to them, because He explains it to them, they grow in their maturity. The teacher-student relationship is not one where the teacher is sharing with the student their deepest thoughts. For those teachers that we have in our, our congregation, imagine going to school tomorrow and opening up to your students and just pouring out your heart, your fears, your hopes, your desires, your struggles, how you feel about the other administrative staff. It, you just won't do it. The boss-employee relationship is not the one where, where the boss is sharing with the employee their deepest thoughts. Jesus is different. He has shared with us. He has given us access to all the knowledge and understanding we need to obey. All the knowledge and understanding we need to obey. Not that we want, not that we desire, but that we need to obey. A servant is told what to do but a friend is told why. Jesus is a friend that has made himself accessible to us. Oh, but Jesus is is even so much more. Jesus is also the perfect friend. If you were to ask me who my best friend is, I would have to say it's my wife. I mean, I want to say it's my wife, but I have to say it's my wife. (laughs) She really is, but I still have to say it. We've been together for, 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 I don't know, 28 years now. And over that time, she has learned a lot of things about me, and there's a lot to learn. She's learned about, about my fears. I'm afraid of rodents. Not snakes, not spiders, but, but mice and rats and hamsters. They, they're weird, and they, No, but they scare me, like fearful scare. She's learned about things that I like to eat. I do not like cheese. I think mashed potatoes are better in instant form, and I basically have the taste of a 16-year-old boy. Pizza, anything wrapped in cellophane, it's all good. She's also learned that I disappoint her. I let her down. I love her with all my heart. But my, my heart is part of a broken, fallen human being. So it breaks hers. She's my best friend, and I fall short daily. Even with my best effort, I am a terrible friend. Because we all live in a broken, fallen world, we will always lack in our human relationships. There is nobody on this earth that will meet the needs that you have. There is nobody on this earth that will be the friend that you need. 
They will all let you down. They will all break your heart. If you've been waiting, if you've been holding out for someone to to fulfill that spot for you, and everybody's lined up, and you've ushered them all through, and nobody meets it, well, it's because Jesus is the only one. But it doesn't mean we don't have other friends. It doesn't mean we don't let other people in. It doesn't mean that we still don't strive to meet the needs of those that we love and those that we care about. It just means that we recognize we're not perfect. But Jesus is the one who is the perfect friend. Even when the world rejected Him, He still gave His life to save us. And although we were able to call Jesus friend, it is helpful to remember that He is God made man. He is perfect. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never let you down. He's perfect. He was born without sin. He died without sin. He provides an everlasting life through His death and resurrection. Salvation can only be found through Him for all who believe. See, Jesus is the model of friendship. He is the perfect friend. Jesus is sacrificial. He's accessible. And He is certainly perfect. But I want you to look at verse 16 with me. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Oh, Don't lose sight of that today. Wake up tomorrow and remind yourself that God chose you. Hold those words close. No matter how good of a friend you are, you will fall short. No matter how broken you feel, He has sacrificed for you, He has made wisdom available to you, and He has done it perfectly, and He chose you. Don't lose sight of that. The world around us screams and shouts that we are not worthy, that we can't measure up, that we are always in wrong. But He chose you. You are going to let people down. You are not going to perform in the way that you want. There will be days where you will wake up and you will stumble and stammer and struggle to get words out and remind yourself that He made you, that He chose you, That He's called you. This should ultimately change how we view friendship. This should change the way that we take on the role as friends. Friends of Jesus should love one another just as He loves us. Look at verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I give you these things. I'm telling you these things. I want you to have these things for the sole purpose that you love one another. John 15 is not the first time he gives this command. He's just repeating himself here. John 13, 34, he gives the command that we should love one another even as he loves us. This is just repeating. He is just saying it again. Friendship 
is not just about connecting with those that look like us, that talk like us, and that act like us. It's not about staying friends with those that go where we go and believe what we do. We are commanded to love. There are no limits on that. There's no but. There's no end. It just love one another. A couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to the students um, in our youth group about the topic of love, and I, and I shared with them the example of, of two of Jesus' disciples. Talked about Matthew and Simon. Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. Simon the zealot doesn't get much play. It's all about Simon Peter. But Simon the zealot is just as important and just as valuable. And in this case, you can see a glaring difference between Matthew and Simon. See, the group of of men that Jesus assembled, he didn't put together because they were all the same or they all had the same values or the same focus. He put them together because he called them as examples for us to see. And then we can see here that they had differences and struggles too. Simon the Zealot would have been part of a a radical political movement. Uh, uh, They were pushing back against Roman rule. Trying to, trying to push Rome out of Jerusalem. And, and they viewed tax collectors as despicable traitors who sold themselves out for Rome. Right? They took advantage of the, of the Jewish people by, by milking them with excessive taxes. And they would turn it and then pocket it themselves. So here you have Matthew faithfully serving Rome and taking as much money from everybody as he could. And Simon who wanted Rome out and... These two men now serve together under Jesus. These two men sitting at the table when Jesus says, you're my friends. You're called to love one another. Two men who would fall on completely different sides, and yet Jesus picks them both. He sees value in them both. He chose them both. Jesus loves them and commands them to love one another. And brothers and sisters, he still does that. He's brought many different people together in this church. He brings many different people together in workplaces, in schools, and even in homes. Many that we may not have picked. Maybe a Matthew and a Simon. And yet he commands me and he commands you to love them, to love each other and to love one another. You see, it doesn't take long for the love that we share with one another, the the common desire to faithfully serve God and the Holy Spirit that dwells within us to grow these relationships into true friendships. True friendships that are filled with sacrifice, filled with accessibility, and ones that strive to seek perfection. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. And we give thanks this morning for these sweet, sweet words. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we are... We are indeed thankful uh, for the words that can fill our hearts. Father, we thank you that that as we read these passages, we can be reminded uh, that you 
uh, do not see us as servants, as slaves, but you see us as friends. Father, again, you are in your right to view us as those that, that would just do your bidding, that we would fall and, and worship you, that we would just serve you. But you have allowed us in. You have allowed us a seat at the table. Father, we are, we are unworthy. We are broken. We're filthy. And it's only because of your righteousness that, that cleanses us. And Father, I pray for those that are here this morning, Father, that, that they would come to know you as Savior and King and Lord and Counselor and Mediator and Friend. That our lives would look different because we see you in all these ways. But Father, we would strive in the relationships that we have with our brothers and sisters, with those that we work with, within our communities, that we would strive to seek friendship in the way that you have demonstrated it to us. Father, so for that we give you thanks this morning. And we recognize that it is only through your Son, Jesus Christ, our friend, that we ask these things this morning. Amen.